bells on Christmas Day They're all familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth could will to make And the bells are ringing Peace on earth. That's what Jesus' birth truly meant. Peace on earth, which was peace with God toward men. God gave us his son that we might have peace with him and be at peace with him from our rebellion, from our not listening to our creator back in the day and creating a rift that was uh, unbridgeable by anyone else but God for folks that is what Jesus is all about creating a way through the cross that we were able to be right with God and don't ask me why God use this as his plan but we just we know that blood there's life in the blood the blood of Christ is is what gives life to us and without blood there is no life things without blood do not have life they're not alive trees don't live as as what uh, some people might think or some people might try to tell you um, doesn't work that way. So, this is Ehud, son of Dennis. Good morning. This is It's a Religion, a podcast that seeks to encourage you in your faith. And if you don't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the God of the Bible, we'd like to encourage you to look into him because there is no other way, folks. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And he is the one that created everything. He's the one that created all of this. It's for him and by him and through him. And there is no other. And you can put your faith and trust in many other things outside of him. Because I believe he's given you that choice, that free will choice to do that. Now some would say people really don't have a choice. That, that God is the one that chooses um, who has faith and who doesn't. I don't get that in his character. Um. I personally don't see that, but I, you know that that is a matter for another discussion because uh, a lot of folks have been arguing about that for many, many years. But regardless, we are responsible for the choices that we make, and uh, you know when you put your faith and trust in, and I just I call the kettle what it is. If you put your faith and trust in a bowl of soup from I don't know what it is nowadays, but two, three, four, ten, twenty, fifty million years ago. Because essentially that's what you're doing when you put your faith and trust in evolution. You're saying, yes, I came from a bowl of soup, Ehud. I believe that. And I think it's funny when I think about some of these guys that have gotten up. And uh, I remember one, a debate between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy. 
And I would say Bill Nye, the denier guy, um, because he's not really trusting in science, even though he says he is, like most scientists do. Oh, you're not following the science if you think the Bible is true. And I just laugh. I'm like, what science are you talking about? Because the science that you follow to supposedly disprove the Bible is a bunch of religion. It's a bunch of beliefs. It's not it has nothing to do with science whatsoever. They try and cloak it in a uh, vein of science, but it really isn't. But anyway, Bill was up there giving uh, Ken Ham, who runs the Creation Museum and Answers in Genesis, a hard time about the uh, animals on the ark. And I'm just thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, you think they came from a bowl of soup. So at least I have some record, some written record of people who were there saying, hey, this is what happened. You ain't got nothing. You got some guy in a white coat telling you it came from a bowl of soup five million years ago, 10 million. What is it now? I mean, they change it all the time because they have to keep the, the target moving just like Democrats do uh, these days. But anyway, we start with the Bible, folks. We say the Bible is true. It's the word of God. And there's no reason to distrust in it. Uh, it's perfectly fine scientifically. It's perfectly fine uh, from every direction, from every analysis. Um, Archaeology has been proving more and more of it true all the time. And there's no reason to doubt it. You know, God said there are certain kinds. There are no races. There's no such thing as race. There's one race, the human race, um, as far as people, right? There's one race. That's it. And there are many cultures, there's many languages. Um, you know, the Bible even explains why that occurred and, and why it happened. Uh, or I should say how it happened, not necessarily why. The only thing we know is that um, God had some concern that they weren't going to spread and fill the earth, I believe, at that point. But, and we'll get to that. Um, uh I got to think about that. I think we already went through that, actually. Um, but let's, I digress. We're in chapter 39 of the Bible. And uh, this is uh, Joseph, the story of Joseph. We're going to continue in that vein. And now I'm, I'm kicking myself here. When was the, uh, can any of you remember... When the story of uh, the story of the Tower of Babel happens, uh, let's see. God remembered Noah, Genesis nine. God blessed Noah. Ten generations of son. I think it's in yeah, chapter eleven. Shame on me for forgetting. That's when we have the Tower of Babel. So everything starts splitting up, and they have different languages, and that's when different people groups appear. And, uh, but that was God's intent with this all along was to, uh, have an earth populated with people for himself. And, uh, you know, this is at the end of the day, this is all about his glory. And I think that's, that's the problem. Some people have with the whole thing too, is they're, they're after their own glory, you know, because we're made in the image of God. So we have some of the same inclinations, I think, or something. I don't know exactly how all that works, but. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his creation. He came and died for us. Uh, 
rose again, and he's there right now, sitting at the right hand of God, um, following all this and interceding for us. And it's a beautiful thing. So let's continue in the story of Jacob's family, specifically Joseph. And we're going to see the realization of the dreams that God gave him. Um, just like we see so much in prophecy that uh, has become true, that there's no way anybody that prophesied it in this book, the Bible, would have ever been able to contemplate without the hand of God uh, giving it to him. So, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, this is Genesis chapter 39, by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did, and as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him with lust. Come and be with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. He said, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one is here. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to go into her and he kept out of her way as much as possible one day however no one else was around when he went to do in to do his work she came and grabbed him by his cloak demanding come on sleep with me joseph tore himself away but he left his cloak in her hand and as he ran from the house when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled she called out to her servants look all the men came running and looked my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room and raped me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but left his cloak behind with me. So you'd think, you know, Joseph might have said something about this uh, earlier to Potiphar. And, you know, somehow brought it up that, that she was making him uncomfortable. But again, God uses this for his purpose right he's he turns this evil into a good thing eventually so she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home then she told him her story the hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me she said but when i screamed he ran outside leaving his cloak with me potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how joseph had treated her so he took joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison even and showed him his faithful love. And The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Imagine that. 
The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So when God is with someone, you're not going to be able to go against them. And even when you do, it's really not going to matter because God's going to accomplish his purpose. Um, even in that, uh, so, um, you know, how, well, let me back up this story itself. Like I said, God is going to use for his purpose to create the nation of Israel, to create the Jewish people group, not the race of Jews, but the Jewish people group. Um, you know, I know I, I spend some time on semantics on the show, but I think it's important. I think, it, you know, semantics mean, words mean things. Russell Limbaugh used to say that. God rest his soul. But um, it's a big deal. And so uh, when I think about that, in this case, you know, Joseph get, gets sold into slavery, but God is with him. And people can even see that. Right, Potiphar sees that, the prison warden sees that, and uh, wouldn't it be neat to be that person? Again, I don't know if God works the same way today as he did then. I, I'm sure he does with some situations and some people being, when he's working on accomplishing his purpose with this creation. But this is a specific example of him, uh, you know, interjecting himself in this man's life and blessing him on a continual basis to the point where people can see that. You know, in the New Testament, God talks about uh, producing fruit and fruit from the gospel is um, producing other believers. You know, the life that you lead, sharing the gospel, your faith with others and drawing people to God that they might put their trust in him. And. You know, really, when you look back at this, isn't that what happened here? You know, it says Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And somehow he knew who the Lord was. Um, I remember um, some of the stories around this where, you know, the God of the Hebrews, I believe they they call them. And that's, that's like the first reference to Hebrew, if I remember right. Uh, in the Bible, and I'm not the guy to tell you about that. That would be, you know, I would refer you to John MacArthur or somebody that, that really gets into all the historicity of all this stuff. But suffice it to say, God is at work through Joseph um, to bring about the results that he's looking for. So, Lord God Almighty, thank you for this day. Thank you for the day that you have made. May you bless it and keep it and uh, help us to trust in you today. So, thank you for, for being here, everybody. Um, I'm thankful to be able to do this and share with you all. So, maybe we'll see you tomorrow. Close your eyes, it's almost here.